For those of you that know me very well, I'm going to ask you to do something as we begin together today that is very counter to the nature of Matt Lake, all right? So if you would, just take a long, deep breath in and out with me, all right? Here we go. One, two, three, in. There you go. And out. And now that you've done that once, you got the hang of it, uh, let's just do that one more time, all right? All the way in. And out. I said that that is counter to my nature. It really should be my wife, Jen, who is up here doing that with you. Uh, she is so much better at being present and in the moment and non-rushed than me. She is one of those people that literally, you know, stop and smell the roses. She really does, like almost all the time, whereas I'm looking for the next rose all along the way. But she's so good at being just present and in the moment and grabbing the adventure of whatever's in the moment. Uh, she's the kind of person that I've told you before, she would love to be like the mascot of a team where she could just be fun and silly and she's like, nobody would know who I am. Uh, just last night we were talking a little bit and she's like, I would love to be the person on the locomotive that pulls the whistle and makes it go, you know? And I'm like, well, I just look at her, I'm like, where, where does this stuff come to mind for you? But I think part of the reason some of those things come to mind for her, she, she's just so good at being present here, not rushed. I'm not very good at that. I very quickly want to be on to the next thing and looking for the next thing. I like moving 100 miles an hour a lot of times. In fact, it's one of the reasons many of you frequently have to say to me, Matt, slow down, talk a little slower. I can get very excited. But going 100 miles per hour all the time isn't good. And it's especially not good when we come to Scripture. Scripture was never meant to be skimmed quickly over the top. It was meant to be digested, interacted with, wrestled with, breathed in. We are encouraged in Scripture actually to meditate upon it. If you look in Psalm 1, one definition of meditating is to chew over. So again, would you just take in a deep breath with me in and let it out. We're even told in Scripture, all of Scripture is God-breathed. 2 Timothy 3.16 describes it that way. Think about that imagery. To breathe in literally means to bring in air, to bring in oxygen, so that we can continue to live. To breathe is interactive. It is relational. It's even intimate because we are literally filled up with whatever it is we breathe in. It literally becomes a part of us. This is the description of Scripture that we are given, that it is God-breathed, meant to fill us and to make us alive, to linger with us. Think back to how it all began, literally. Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, it says this, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and void and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. I want to invite us to get that imagery into our mind here this morning. The Hebrew word for spirit is the word ruach. It literally means spirit, wind, and are you ready for it? Breath. So here to start it all, we have a picture of God's Holy Spirit, God's breath 
hovering over the waters, lingering in order to bring forth life through light. Why do I bring that up this morning as we gather here this morning? What does it have to do today? Because today we are in the second week of Advent, and today again we are in the book of Isaiah chapter 9. And if today's scripture passage sounds just a little bit familiar, it should. It's the exact same scripture passage we used last weekend. We don't do this very often, repeat the exact same scripture from one week to the next, but honestly, we should probably do it a little bit more. Why? Because the nature of God's holy word is so rich, so deep, so powerful, it is good, I would even say wise, sometimes to just dwell, linger, hover upon it, so that the life and the breath of God once again might stir in our hearts to bring forth new life. That's what we're doing today. So again, would you breathe in deeply and out? Because this is what Isaiah is doing for us today. He's reminding us of the greatness of God by stirring in the darkness and bringing forth light. And I am struck by the imagery, how similar it is between Isaiah and what we read back in the beginning in Genesis. So if you have your Bibles with you, I want to invite you to open them up again to the book of Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to look at verse 2. And again, Isaiah is about two-thirds of the way through the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 9 then says this, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Now picture that imagery with what we hear in Genesis chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, where it says this. Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. Both images involve light coming into the darkness. Both images have light dawning, and there seems to be a non-rushed nature to them both. In Genesis 1, the spirit is just hovering. In Isaiah 9, the people are walking, not running. And it is a challenge to walk in the darkness. We are in this time of the year when we are encouraged and pushed to rush, rush, rush to buy and to plan and to fit in all these extra things in this holiday season. And when we are in our own times of darkness, we don't want to linger there. We don't want to stay there. We want to get through them as quickly as possible. But we're reminded this morning in Isaiah that God's plans are never thwarted. And God's light comes in its own time and burst forth in a way in such that new life emerges. This is the nature of light. It is deceptively great. We mentioned last week that light moves incredibly quickly on the one hand, 186,000 miles per second, but at the same time, it brings a warmth and a light and a heat that helps us to slow down, to pause, to offer peace. This is the nature of the peace of God. When the world is dark, when we feel overwhelmed, few things give us more peace than recognizing that something greater than us is there with us in the darkness. When our son Josh, who's now 13, when he was a baby, so a number of years ago, he would have in the middle of night 
night terrors. I don't know if you have any kids or grandkids that have ever had night terrors. They're awful. They're horrible. Middle of the night, 2 a.m., 3 a.m., it is pitch black, and suddenly you hear this piercing scream from your child who's so scared from the nightmare that they're having. So, of course, whenever that would happen, Jen or I would jump up in the darkness and we would rush to him and we'd pick him up and we'd turn on a lamp and we'd sit down on a chair and we'd start rocking him back and forth and we'd be clinging him to us, just rocking him, saying, it's okay, Josh, we're here, we're here, just breathe, it's okay. Josh, we're here, we're here, it's okay, just breathe. Josh, it's okay, it's okay, we're here, just breathe. And eventually, he would be okay. He would regain a sense of peace. Why? Because in that darkness, a light had dawned. Not the lamp that we had turned on, but his parents, someone greater than himself, had emerged in the darkness with him. Someone greater than him to remind him, Joshua, it would be okay. That is Isaiah's message to you and I today, that church even in the darkness, it will be okay. Why? Isaiah 9, 6. For to us, a child is born, to us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. In other words, a presence greater than ourselves in the darkness. So again, would you take in a deep breath and let it out. That we would be filled with God's light and God's peace this day. Now, I want to be really careful with us here, church, this morning, because when I talk about us being filled with God's peace, I want to be very clear. God's peace is not generic. It's not abstract or new age or hokey. God's peace is specific and in the flesh. I'm saying it in the we follow a prince of peace kind of way and a specific unique peace that we are talking about. We're talking about incarnate peace, a flesh and blood peace. These titles that Isaiah gives us here this morning in Isaiah 9-6, they're titles you can only give to this God he is the mighty God. He's not just a divine-ish kind of God. He is the everlasting Father, the maker of all creation, and yet specifically born in a manger. There are no other claims made like this in any other religion in the world. Jesus is obviously fully human because he is born, and he's obviously fully divine. Why? Because he's the everlasting Father, the mighty God. Jesus Christ is God-man the light born among humanity, which means a very specific, a very particular kind of peace, nothing generic about it. So what does that mean? Among other things, it means this, that if Jesus Christ is really God, not just human, not just God, but fully both, it means we can't just Facebook-like Jesus. We can't come along and just say, Jesus, I like you. 
our response to the living God has to be much stronger than that. We've mentioned this before, but it bears repeating. There's a gentleman named John Stott who wrote a book called Basic Christianity, and in it he claims that the actual people who met Jesus when he was on this earth, they only ever responded to Jesus in one of three ways. They either hated Jesus, so you hate Jesus, you fear Jesus, or you worship Jesus. Why? You hate Jesus because if Jesus comes along and claims to be the Son of God and you are a very religious person, you want him out of the way for desecrating the name of God, for scandalizing the name of God, for being so sacrilegious and disrespectful of God, and you hate him for disrespecting your God. And that's exactly what happened when he walked on this earth. The religious authorities hated him, wanted him out of the way. So what did they do? They had him killed. Or you were afraid of this guy. You thought he was a lunatic. Anybody that would come along and say, hey, everybody, I'm the son of God. You wanted that person as far away from you as possible because he was crazy. And so you feared him if you met him. Or you believed him and you took him at his word. And so you fell down and you worshiped him. You gave him every single part of your life. Why? Because he is the living God. You hated him, you feared him, or you worshiped him. Nobody just liked Jesus. You don't just get inspired by Jesus. We're never told in the Bible that Jesus inspired anyone. It's a very specific type of peace then that we're talking about this morning. It's not just a peace we just casually come and enjoy. It is a peace that demands our worship, our all. It is a peace that fills us with new life. It is a peace in which light conquers darkness. So again, I invite you, take in a deep breath and let it out. Because this Jesus is God who became human, do you know what that means? It means we have a God who understands us completely, 100%. This God gets us because this God was fully human. There's no guessing on God's part about how you and I feel. He gets it completely in every way. Jesus was human. He knew what it was to have indigestion and to have an ingrown toenail. He knew what it was to experience rejection from friends and to feel alone. He knew what it was to get tired and hungry and cold. He knew what it was to see endless needs around him. He knew what it was like to get stabbed in the back, literally and figuratively, or in the side, from people he trusted or thought cared about him. He knew what it was to be misunderstood and to experience loss. That should give us a sense of peace. Because Jesus, this light, knows every single thing you and I are going through. Because he had an earthly body just as we do. This God knows our darkness. Only this God can make this claim. No other religion can make this claim. And there's a peace found in that reality. Isaiah 9, 6 says, For to us a child is born. What a strange light when you think about it. This light Jesus was poverty and he suffered infinite pain all for you and for me because he thought it worth his life for us. 
Now, I can share that this morning, and you know that. I'm not sharing anything new in that. We've heard before that Jesus died for us. But here's really the question this morning, church. It's one thing to know about this peace, but will we receive, breathe in this peace that is offered to us? Might sound like a simple question. Might even sound like a no-brainer. But here's our reality. We can only receive the peace of Christ when we receive the gift of Christ himself. And let's be honest, some of us are just not very good at receiving gifts, especially <coughs> us guys. Look what it says in Isaiah 9:6. It says, to us a son is given. This peace, this light, Christ himself can only be received as a gift. The text does not say, for to us a child is born, and then stop. It also says, to us a son is given, implying gift to be received. And it's not a small gift of peace that's being given. We're not talking a little break in the action of violence. Listen to the imagery that's given here. Isaiah 9, 5. Every warrior's boot used in battle, every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. It's saying there will be a great battle and it will be fought and evil will be overturned, but you will not have to fight it. So get rid of the weapons because they will not be needed. Someone else will do the fighting. Who will do the fighting? Jesus, of course. Jesus who bears our transgressions. Jesus who suffered for our iniquity. It's all Jesus. And then we're told in Isaiah 9-7, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord God Almighty will accomplish this. Church, this is not just a rallying cry. It is a peace cry. This God conquers all violence forever through peace, for peace, by peace. So relax. Greatness comes. The light has dawned. The darkness will not win. And in the end, it won't even stand a chance. So be at peace. And again, would you breathe in and out? Jesus overturned violence, not with more violence but peace. He was crucified. He took the punishment that we deserved. Therefore, the only way we can receive this very specific great light peace is to receive it as a gift. Sounds easy, right? It's easy to receive gifts, isn't it? Well, sometimes yes, but sometimes no. Because truly good gifts make you and I swallow our pride. So, for example, what if this Christmas somebody comes to you and says, Hey, friend, I got you a gift. And you're kind of touched and you're glad and they hand you the gift and it's wrapped up and you take it and you unwrap it. And here it's a book. And it says on the front of it, the number one dieting book in the nation. 
Merry Christmas, friend. Enjoy this. You need to lose a few. You're fat. That's the, that's the, the message that we're going to hear from our friend. Do you think that's a gift we want to receive? Probably not. How about another friend who comes to you and maybe they give you a nice present, you unwrap it. This time it's a book, and the title of the book is How to Win Friends and Influence People. What do you do with that kind of a gift? Merry Christmas to you. You're saying I'm obnoxious and lousy with friends and people, huh? It's not exactly the kind of gift we want to receive because to accept those gifts means we're admitting something is wrong with us. How about in more serious situations? Maybe you are in awful financial straits and somebody comes along and they're willing to offer you a very generous gift that will help you out. Accepting that can be hard. Some of us might even turn it down. Why? Because if we accept that gift, we are admitting we were not able to handle it ourselves. We become maybe humiliated, at least humbled, to say, I wasn't able to do it myself, and so somebody else had to come and help me. Can I say to us this morning, there has never been a gift so great a gift that has more humbled us to the depths of our being than the gift of Jesus Christ coming into this world here at Christmas. Why? Because think about it. If God had to go to the great lengths of becoming human, be born in a manger, go to the cross, and suffer infinitely, it must mean you and I as humans are in pretty bad shape. Not really very good We're not able to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps and make ourselves okay. So therefore, to receive the gift offered to us in Christ means we first have to admit we're not okay. There is something wrong with us. We are sinners, we are broken, and we need to be saved by the gift of grace alone, which means we have to give up control of our lives. We have to repent so that we can receive this gift. And only when we say, I am completely broken, which none of us really want to do, are we then in a position to receive the greatest gift of all and receive Jesus. But then, when we receive Jesus, when we receive this light and this peace, we receive the peace we've longed for all along. And it's that reality I want to invite us today just to linger upon and not rush past for a few minutes here today so that we don't miss the power and the richness and the depth I pray that in this space or wherever we're worshiping this day, the breath of God would come and fill us again. So again, would you breathe in with me? Breathe in and out. Because when we linger with God in this way, two things happen. Number one, in God's peace, the darkness no longer overwhelms us. We can literally be at peace no matter what set of circumstances we find ourselves in. If we were really honest today, some of us admit that we come today scared or worried or overwhelmed or anxious because right now the darkness seems very, very dark. And it is hard to be at peace when it is so dark. You and I live in a day and an age where it is hard to be at peace. Sometimes we have to take breaks from Facebook just because the stream of awful news never seems to end. 
And I will admit with you here this morning, I am so, so tired of hearing about abuse and about sexual scandals and nuclear weaponry and political parties that care more about election and power and winning rather than character and morality and integrity. It's enough to unnerve us, to make us lose our peace. But then Isaiah comes this morning and Isaiah says, remember, not only will you discover my peace, it'll be okay. But remember this, in the end, it won't even be a contest. In the end, every weapon of mass destruction will be fuel for the fire to its own detriment. Isaiah 9, 5 and 7, every warrior's boot used in battle, every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire of the greatness of his government and peace. There will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord God Almighty will accomplish this. Again, could you just breathe in with me? And out. Not only will the darkness not overwhelm us, but when we are filled with God's light, God will use us in the lives of others to give them peace that God has given to us. God will use us to be the hands and feet of Jesus in flesh and blood to push the darkness back. Do you remember earlier this year we celebrated something called Freedom Sunday? We have partnered with an organization called International Justice Mission to offer light and peace in the world to children in need. Children like Foley, who have been forced into slavery. Foley was raised by his grandparents in a loving home in Ghana, several hours from the largest man-made lake in the world, a lake called Lake Volta. They wanted to send him to school, but they could not afford the school fees, so Foley stayed home. One day, his grandfather was struck by a car, and medical expenses began to pile up quickly. It was then that a relative who lived near Lake Volta visited and offered to take Foley in. His grandparents believed that he was simply going from one loving home to another, but in reality, even though Foley didn't know it at the time, he had just become a slave. 18-hour workdays would become his routine. He would wake up at roughly 2 a.m., spend the day pulling heavy nets for fishing, and fall asleep exhausted around 8 in the evening, only to start the whole process over again in just a couple of hours. This was Foley's life, and the life for thousands of other young boys just like him on Lake Volta. One morning as he was preparing for another grueling day, some IJM social workers and investigators and local authorities were searching for children who'd been made to be slaves on Lake Volta. When the boat pulled up next to Foley's canoe, they asked him some questions about his life. They asked the master in the boat some questions and very quickly realized that the master of the boat was lying. And the abusive boatmaster was arrested and Foley was taken from the canoe along with a number of other boys. Thanks in part to partnerships like this with IJM, light and peace and hope in Christ are being offered in many places of darkness in our world. 
Just this year alone, with some of the new initiatives that have been started in Ghana, over 100 children have been rescued from slave trafficking in Ghana. A hundred who would have had no hope and no peace. And as one recently freed child slave exclaimed, thank you for taking me off the lake. Now all I need is a soccer ball. Church, this is what the light of Christ does. It offers hope and light and peace in a world often devoid of it. So today, would you join with me and one final time, just take in one long deep breath and let it out, that we together might experience God's specific, unique, good, incarnate, powerful peace. Because this day, to us, To us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace.